Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Just because I don't retweet you doesn't make you part of the intellectual dark web, Gavin. Ass. The following podcast contains... Now, cursing is not something that most comedians do. Sorry for cursing. I want you to stop cursing. I've been... I've been using all the wrong swear words. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you decided that more robocalls were a good thing, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, May 11th, 2018. Domo arigato, Mr. Roboto. Edition of the show where we note that with all the human intelligence that's in such short supply, are we really ready for an artificial one? Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Fast Eddie's Placement Agency. Are you looking for someone to do all the boring and mundane tasks you can't be bothered with? Hire an assistant from Fast Eddie's Place at Placement. Our human assistant will give you all the full frustrating experience of a computer-based assistant with the added joy of an incompetent and annoying human. Want to spend five minutes asking a particular file and not get it? Our assistants are just as dense and incompetent as Alexa. Want to shout a request seven or eight times and still not get what you want? Just like Google Home? Want something that doesn't do anything? Just like Siri? Our humans will give you all of that with the frisson of rage that only another human can provide. Forget technology. Fast Eddie's placements finds the wrong person for the right job, the way it's always been done. According to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, there are rules that determine the reaction of most life forms to emerging technologies. One, anything that is in your world when you're born is normal and ordinary and is just a natural part of the way things work. Two, anything that's invented in the first third of your lifespan is new and exciting and revolutionary and you can probably get a career in it. Three, anything invented once you are middle-aged is against the natural order of things. The guide goes on to say, goes on, goes on. I've got a complicated relationship with technology, by which I mean that I'll hook up with it when I'm drunk, but then I'll spend the next week pretending not to know it, only to hook up with it again next weekend when I get drunk again. You are a swell guy. Like most folks my age, I'm perfectly comfortable with computers and the related doodads the computer revolution spawned, but I still find myself questioning on whether or not they're necessary. I mean, take my iPhone, for example. I hated iPhones when they first appeared on the scene, lo, those many years ago. I ranted against the idea that any thinking human being would need such a device. It was a gimmick, a vapid fanboy invention designed to take large sums of money from very stupid people. I had a perfectly suitable cell phone that performed every task I could imagine a phone was necessary for, namely to make phone calls to other people. The idea that one would spend several hundred dollars for a phone that was also a small convenient computer was ludicrous. It was just really a way to make money and people dumber and more dependent on technology. And now, now it's something after all these years I actually need to survive. I said take only what you need to survive. It's 
My industrial strength hair dryer. And I can't live without it! I actually hid the fact that I owned a smartphone for months because I've been so vehement about owning one. And I didn't want to hear everyone I'd inflicted my self-indulgent Luddite twaddle on for years laugh and call me a hypocritical asshole. Which, in my defense, I was completely being. Still, having the plastic rectangle embedded in my hand hasn't made my life better. In fact, All those things I thought and said about cell phones, how they're money removal machines to make dumb people dumber. Everything you said is true. So it was with some trepidation that I watched Google's annual symposium on all things Google and what they are planning to do for the coming year. The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. Not that there's all that much for Google left to control. They already control information. Have you tried to search the internet without using Google? What are you going to use? Bing? I've never heard of it. You might as well ask Jeeves. Google has my browser, and my browser has every password and username I've logged on to to a website for the last 10 years. Like, I'm going to write down the password for every milk porn site I visit. It's not going to happen. No, no one has that kind of time. Google has every show script for all 160 episodes of this low-rated podcast, most of the drops, all the photos I've taken since 2009, every email, calendar, invite, reminder, and possibly a sample of my DNA thanks to all those MILF porn sites that I visit. TMI, too much information. I even have a couple of those little hockey puck urinal candy smart speakers that exist primarily to pipe 80s music through the house when I'm cleaning. But I know they're always there. They're listening. And they're waiting. One of the new toys Google rolled out this year was something they called Duplex, which is not a pair of connected small suburban tract homes where you pair all the inconveniences of living in an apartment with the onerous chore of actually having to mow your yard. Duplex is, or rather it will be, a part of Google's artificial intelligence assistance where we'll finally remove the last major annoyance of modern human living, the necessity of speaking to another human being on the phone. Quick, it's about time. As debuted, Duplex is capable of making calls to set up appointments or check on specific items of information. So it could, in theory, make a call to reserve a table for my Mother's Day brunch, then make a call to order flowers for my mom on Mother's Day. But as of yet, it cannot call my mother on Mother's Day to tell her, one, that I forgot to make a reservation for brunch and I forgot to order flowers. And in fact, I'm currently too drunk to even leave the house. Cause you're a bad son! The software they debuted is frankly amazing. This, this is a computer making this phone call. Hi, um, I would like to reserve a table for May 25th. Sorry, what day? For Friday, um, May 25th. It even mimics the ums and ands and uh, that makes speaking with a live human being so fucking infuriating. And let me tell you, before long, the software will be perfected and will be able to go on long, unrelated tangents that have nothing to do with anything except wasting your goddamn time and keeping you from getting any real work done while it over-explains something that anyone with two brain cells to rub together could easily infer. Ring, ring. Hello, so-and-so's office. Hi, is so-and-so there? No, I'm sorry, they're not here at the moment. But this is so-and-so's number. 
Yes, indeed, it, it is so-and-so's number, but unfortunately, they're not here at the moment. But but this is the number that they told me to call them at. Yes, I get it. You want to speak to so-and-so. You obviously called to speak to so-and-so. Thus, you dialed the specific set of numbers to reach so-and-so. There's no reason to explain to me numerous times that you want to speak to so-and-so when I perfectly established that they are not here, and I've informed you repeatedly of this fact. Sorry, I, I, I still answer an awful lot of phone calls for a living and I've got some issues. You see, a tangent, just like that. Soon enough, Duplex will be able to handle that and all of our communications, and it'll probably also start creating its own podcast, putting thousands of low-rated podcasters out of a job. Don't think this isn't on some sort of master planning document over at Google headquarters. It can't come soon enough for me. And who exactly thought that in a world where it is fucking frustrating enough to call for service and get a robot that cannot help us, thought robots calling us for service was something we need. Who among us, Podfriends, has not been trapped in phone tree hell? Please, say the number of the existing account. 4118945-4. That was... Four, one, eight, apple, dromedary, exclamation point, five, six, bumper car. Is that correct? Uh, no. For every inane call from a human I've had, I've had five shouting matches with an automated phone system just begging them to connect me to a human being, even one with only a marginal command of my language, because together we as fellow humans can bridge our differences and finally... Finally, cancel my credit card together. Author and journalist Stephen Levy, who's written several books on computers and technology, cryptography and the Internet, cybersecurity and privacy, tweeted in response to Duplex, quote, Is it ethical to have a human sounding robot interact with someone without informing the other party that he or she is in a conversation with it? Real question, unquote. Chris Meek wrote in BGR.com, quote, Technologists frequently tout idealistic sentiments like the, like a goal being to perfect technology such that it gets out of the way to the point you can focus on what you need to do without getting frustrated by tricky menus, required gestures, and the like. But that doesn't mean everything needs to go away, like robbing people of an understanding of what's on the other end of the screen, or in this case, the phone. Duplex doesn't identify itself the way a human might. There's a bot holding for you on line two. But maybe it should, unquote. Of course, over the myriad and fruitless employments I've had in my life, many of my jobs involved answering phones. And if you want to give yourself a lovely, searing stomach ulcer, take a job where you answer phones for a living. If you want to couple that ulcer with cluster headaches and heavy drinking, answer 911 calls for a living. This is the ambulance emergency line. Do you have an emergency? I need a ambulance. Who is this? Joe. Okay. Oh, where do you need us? I'm in the motherfucking phone booth. Okay, what's the address there? Hold on. Okay, sir, did you call through 911? Uh, no. Okay, Joe, I need a location. What street are you on? Uh, I'm in the motherfucking phone booth at the stop and go. Because my health and sanity could no longer handle 911 calls, I went into veterinary medicine, where, if anything, the calls were worse because not only did people call in a horrified panic, but frequently they were panicking over things that if they applied even the slightest amount of rational thought, they would realize they didn't need to panic, or, you know, they should have panicked a long time ago. I once spent 30 minutes on the phone with a woman explaining that she did not need to rush her pet in 
four minutes before we closed who died about 12 hours ago. <laughs> because as technology did not include resurrection from the dead. You start from compassion and empathy, and I have it. But then you rapidly devolve into irritation and then finally bitter sarcasm when you cut her off and angrily tell her she doesn't need a veterinarian. She needs a Jewish carpenter for her problem. You need someone brought to Jesus? I can only assume she spent at least an hour on the phone with Ira Levy and Son's fine carpentry before they hung up on her. I know how that sounds. I know how awful that sounds. But the woman told me right at the beginning of the phone call that her pet had died last night and that she needed to rush the pet in now. And we were closing in five minutes. I don't know what she expected us to do. So now I got a deal with Donna Digital calling me up too? Am I required to be nice to the artificial intelligence phone calls? Am I supposed to prioritize the actual humans online versus their digital assistants? If I lose my shit and call the AI a chip-headed fuckwit, will I be reported? Will I be fired? Will angry robots show up at my desk and kick the shit out of me? These are important questions I don't feel like anyone asked before they created this software. Do we not have enough problems already, enough stress in our lives, without having to worry about large, angry robots roaming the streets trying to kill us for being rude on the telephone? This will all end in tears. I just know it. Just another example of Silicon Valley doing something without ever thinking on whether or not they should do the thing. That Google created a chatbot that sounds human is impressive and a little scary, but it's the idea that something that clearly isn't human is capable of making us believe that it is human, even if only within a narrow set of circumstances. Not unlike producer Gavin. Why do you hate me when I show you nothing but love? Is this... As H.G. Wells said, and Battlestar Galactica repeated, the good one, not the one with the monkey in the robot suit, repeated, the shape of things to come? We've gone from a world where artificial intelligence was this hypothetical entity with an aversion to opening pod bay doors, and frankly, I don't blame Hal for this. Here I am, bring the size of a planet. And Dave is using him like a goddamn garage door opener. I would have tried to kill Dave too. We're on our way to a world where AI is calling the Chinese place down the block to order my general sows. And in a few years, AI will be doing more than making the call. It will be answering the calls. And it will also be managing a kitchen full of automated cooks, which will hand your order off to a drone to fly your order up to your window untouched by human hands. Which is pretty fucking cool for me because I will finally get my order from Hunan palace with the right kind of low mane, but it's not so hot if you're a guy who used to deliver me or cook for me the wrong kind of low mane, and is now being fed into a protein reconstitution chamber over at the Soylent plant because you are no longer a productive member of society. You gotta tell him, Silent Green is people! It's not a question of if, it's a matter of when. This is the shape of things to come, and things are coming whether we want them or not. A lot of people with brains much bigger than mine... That's right. Lots of people. ...have real concerns about humans building an AI that will take one good look at humanity and say... Jesus, look at him. What a disaster. ...and wipe the whole lot of us off the face of the planet. 
I'm actually fine with this, and I think this is probably the best idea, but I understand that many others have a different perspective, so I expect this problem to be worked out. What will not be worked out, however, is the problem that AI in one form or another will simply move in and take over all those jobs that are tedious, repetitive, and generally considered not worth doing. You know, all the jobs I've worked over a long and disappointed life of being a creative. Not to mention those folks who actually need these jobs because they lack the skills or education to get a better one. You know, millions of people who've been systematically fucked by capitalism for like the past 400 years. Stephen Hawking, in one of his last public addresses, spoke at length about the impact of AI on humanity. Quote, success in creating an effective AI could be the biggest event in the history of our civilization. Or the worst. We just don't know. So we cannot know if we will be infinitely helped by AI or ignored by it and sidelined or conceivably destroyed by it. Unless we weren't learn how to prepare for and avoid the potential risk, AI could be the worst event in our history of civilization. It brings dangers like powerful autonomous weapons or new ways for the few to oppress the many. It could bring a great disruption to our economy, unquote. Meanwhile, in Silicon Valley... Happy little coders are writing happy little code operating under the theory that anything they create is only going to make life better, despite a long and bitter history of proving otherwise. For fuck's sakes, look at Facebook! And I'm sure the people who work at Facebook don't want to hurt us, or at least most of them don't. I'm not sure about Zuckerberg. I'm not even sure that he's not an AI that somehow try and travel back to start the entire thing. The history of technology is one of people who had great ideas and no real understanding of the consequences of their great ideas. Gutenberg. Johannes, not Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg would never do anything to hurt us. Mahoney! I've already told you once. Nobody screws with me. Well, maybe you'll meet the right girl and all that'll change. But Johannes had this great idea that he knew would spread knowledge and help humanity... But he had no idea one of the side effects of spreading all that knowledge would be a century of brutal religious wars all across Europe. Bummer. Eli Whitney made a machine that saved hundreds of hours of labor deseeding cotton, and that machine exploded slavery across the United States. He did not see that coming. James Watt built an engine that could work harder, longer, and cheaper than any of the manual labor ever before and started the Re Industrial Revolution. And I'm pretty damn sure he did not envision the side effects of that machine roasting the planet like a pig in the pit. When Philo Farnsworth invented a device that could send and receive video and sound through the air, there was no way possible he could have conceived that one day in the distant future, this machine would be directly responsible for the presidency of Donald J. Trump. If he did, he would have destroyed his prototype, burned his notes, and embarked on a murder spree to kill anyone working in the field to prevent this hard, disastrous future. He didn't. So now we have a reality show president. Can you imagine what might come out of widespread artificial intelligence? Ah, no. Obviously not. Technology is and always will be a double-edged sword, and frequently humanity grips that sword by the pointy end and cuts itself rather badly. Since the first Neolithic craftsmen figured out that a round shape rolls 
and then stuck a stick through the hole in a round shape to make a unicycle, and thus the first hipster was created, we've been on a journey towards larger and more complex creations. And the logical progression of that is the creation of an intelligence independent from humanity. I am not at all sure we could stop it even if we wanted to. And it's abundantly clear we don't want to. This is going to happen. And it will likely happen within your lifetime. Unless, unless you're like me and you are smoking and drinking yourself into an early grave. You won't get me, Skynet! What we can do is start examining the consequence and impacts this will have on our society. Because unlike Watt or Whitney or even Farnsworth, we can see what's coming and we are already asking questions on how this might impact our society. The problem is we're asking the wrong questions. We're asking if when we need to be asking when. Because it's clear this is being done and we've got no choice in the matter. It's more of a force of evolution than a question of technology. So we best put a lot of people to work asking how do we structure our society to live with this thing. But the problem with us is we're humans and we've got a really hard time addressing issues before they're a problem, which is why I can wear a pair of Bermuda shorts and a Hawaiian print t-shirt at the North Pole right now. Our only real hope is that AI will get smart enough to deal with the problem of artificial intelligence. The problem with AI doing that, of course, is one of two things. Either the machine will come back with an incomprehensible answer to our question. You're really not going to like it. Tell us. The answer to the great question. Yes. Of life, the universe, and everything. Yes. Is. Yes. Is. Yes. 42. It was a tough assignment. Or, you know, it'll just kill all of us. Either way, I consider the problem solved. That is it for our show this week. You know, a lot of people in my line of work, such as it is, said that computers will never replace humans in creative things like movies, TVs, or even low-rated podcasts, to which I say, this show has actually been written by a computer since episode one, which explains why so many of the fart jokes are featured throughout the run of the show. It's not so much as artificial intelligence as fartificial intelligence. The shape of things to come is apparently a 12-year-old boy. If you would like to contribute to the future, rate and review this show wherever you found it, or a group of partially sentient farting robots will come to your house, hold you down, and pass gas on you until you submit to their will. Resistance is futile. <laughs> we want to remind you that we have a Patreon because these farting robots do not pay for themselves. For one measly dollar, you get exclusive fart content available only to our donors. Right now, you can enjoy a retrospective on the sequel to Breaking to Electric Boogaloo. You don't want to miss it because you didn't even know it existed. If you don't contribute, well, you know, you get the fart bots. Follow all of the randomly generated thoughts of this barely sentient show on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast or the show name on Facebook. All the shows are at www.whatthehellpodcast.com or the show name on SoundCloud. For me, Dave, Deep Thought Bledsoe, producer Commodore 64 Gavin, 
and all the fictional fart bots on this show. We want to say once again, Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto. Domo. Domo. We'll see you all next week. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.